Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Hey, how many know our country right now is in a crazy era? And how many know there is a pursuit of power is going on in our country right now? It's election season, isn't it? The prize is the presidency of the United States. The prize is the White House. The one who will live in the White House becomes commander-in-chief. He will work out of the Oval Office. The one in the White House will be the most powerful man in the country, right? Some will love him, some will hate him, but either way, he will be the president. And because he holds the seat of power, he will give power to his political allies, will he not? And because he holds the seat of power, he will able to be able to do things that he wants to do. The, the seat of power is the ultimate prize being sought by Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Republicans, and Democrats. The, the, there's just, it's, it's, it's a quest for power. Oh, thanks, man. Never mind. It's, it's what we're after. We're, we're, who's going to be in charge? Who's going to have the seat of power? Who's going to rule? Who's going to make law? Who's going to do that? Well, Friday night, I came over to the daughter's conference because that's what you do when you're a pastor. You sneak in the back after it started, all right, because all the men were in the back working. <laughs> Troy, Micah, Carrie was on the camera. And so I snuck in, and what a great event. It must have been a couple hundred women here. Bethany is here. Bethany, great job. And uh, so proud of you. I know your mom's proud of you who's with you. And, and a great job that night. But their theme was your kingdom come, kingdom come. And as part of the decorations, they had this chair, this throne. All right. And I was looking at that. And when I left here, I went for a drive. And I went, hmm, began pondering on the throne. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to ask her to leave that there. Um, because I want to I talk a little bit this morning about the throne of God. And I think we, we in America right now, the church, we must understand something. We must get our vision back on the throne room. We must get our vision back on the throne and see the king so that our speech can be shaped by the king, so our actions and our attitudes and our hearts can be shaped by the king. Because I want to tell you something. How many know the world has a way of shaping our words, has a way of shaping our thoughts and our attitudes? How many of you get a bad attitude when you watch politics? <laughs> how many don't watch it anymore, right? How many of you get your emotional state in unrest because of it? Well, I begin to think about this, and I'm going to start with this, and I want to take a, a moment to speak to, um, I'm going to speak to, I'm going to speak to, I sent this out to our staff yesterday, and I just want to say this. If you are watching live stream or you're here, and you have any sort of place in, in kind of, I'll call ministry, whether it's preaching or whatever it might be, I begin to think about this, that you got to ask ourselves a question. When I preach, I teach, I minister for the king. Am I standing in front of the throne or am I standing behind the throne? And I would suggest that our place is behind the throne. You see, for when I get in front of the throne, it's about me. And when I'm in front of the throne, I cast a shadow on him. When I get in front of the th throne... There's less of him and more of me. And I really think it's incumbent upon us that we understand something. All that we do in ministry, and I'm speaking to ministers right now, is not for us to be seen, 
but rather for him to be seen. And I, I, matter of fact, I prefer the throne to cover me. Uh, in a day and an age where we have shameless, narcissistic self-promotion through social media, we have put ourselves many times in front of the throne, trying to make a name for ourselves, trying to make ourselves famous, trying to this and trying to that. Now let's get behind the throne so we can point at him. Let's get behind the throne so that people see Jesus and not us. So, so this morning, I got a little, think, I'm going to have a little fun, all right? And, and because, you see, I want to, I wanna, and I'm going to bring this to you in a few moments. So I'm going to kind of be weird this morning, but that's not really a stretch, is it? TJ, you like that. <laughs> TJ thought that was really good. See, I'm going to preach behind the throne this morning. Because may, may all that I say and all that I do this morning remind you, who it is we look at. Who it is we do this for. Who it is that sits on the ultimate seat of power. All right, and so, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to kind of pull this over here because I still need notes. I'm an old man. I need to remember what I'm saying, right? Hey, you see, we need to remember something. As the church, as followers of Christ, as believers, as the kingdom of God, we need to remember where the seat of power rests. There is a seat of power, ladies and gentlemen, that while the White House is being sought, there is the highest office in our land that's being pursued. We have to remind you there is a seat that's not up for election. There is a seat that is not subject to the will of the people. There is a seat that is not going to be won by a political partisanship. There is a seat of power that can never be stolen, can never be corrupted, can never be bought, can never be bribed. And you and I, we serve, we are in the domain of that one who sits on that throne. And yet we become so Americanized in our gospel that we think we can legislate the kingdom when we've been called to demonstrate the kingdom. You cannot legislate the kingdom, but you can demonstrate the kingdom. And so this seat of power is occupied. This seat of power is is. Um, the throne of God, and I want to talk to you this morning, and I'm going to take a few moments, and I want to tell you about the throne for a little bit. All right, I want to tell you about this throne, and use your imagination. It's probably a whole lot better than this, but anyhow, all right? But, but I want to tell you about it. So let me take you to a scripture. I'm going to start with this scripture. In the year that King Uzziah's death, this is Isaiah chapter 6. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty, and the train of his robe filled the temple. You have to understand, when Uzziah died, it was a cataclysmic moment for, for, for the, the nation. It was a moment where this great king, this king of peace, this king of prosperity, this king that built the kingdom, for 52 years he reigned and the kingdom was blessed. He was a righteous king. And how many know that a nation is exalted by righteousness? And, and now he dies. And in the moment of this dying Isaiah, in the turmoil that's going on, he gets a vision. And the vision that he gets is the throne room of God. The vision, and, and it's not a make-believe vision, amen? Come on. We're not talking about something that's figurative. How many know we are talking about something that's literal? And, and, and he gets a vision. I saw the Lord. I'm going to say to you this morning, in the year that COVID-19 hit the States, I saw the Lord. In the year that Donald Trump was reelected. I saw the Lord. In the year Joe Biden got elected, I saw the Lord. Come on, can anybody say that this morning? 
The greatest vision we can have is a vision of the Lord. And so I want to talk to you about this throne. This throne, first of all, let me tell you this. How many know this throne is an eternal throne? It doesn't have a beginning and an end, right? This throne is not temporary. This throne is not a, it's not a temporary seat of power. It doesn't have a two-year term. It doesn't have a four-year term. It doesn't have an eight-year term, all right? It doesn't have a term limit. It is an eternal throne. It existed before the earth. It existed in the, whenever he created them in the garden. It existed when he created Adam and Eve. It existed long before he created earth and he cast Lucifer out of heaven. Because how many know it was the throne that Lucifer was trying to steal? He was trying to usurp. He was trying to get it. God has never been off this throne. God has never been off this throne. It's an eternal throne. Scripture says this, your throne is established from old. You are from everlasting to everlasting. Psalm 45, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. Can you say this morning that God's throne is forever? I got to tell you something. Sometimes we act as if it's a temporary thing. He comes down and off and on. No, no. This throne is occupied. Even when, listen to me, even when things happen in this world that aren't of God, he is still on the throne. We go to, when a nation goes to war, there are battles in the war. And some of those battles you lose and some of those battles you win. And there are people that get hurt and people that get wounded. How many of you know that we live in a cosmic war between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light? And in that cosmic war, things happen. That does not negate God still being on the throne. It doesn't negate God is still on the throne. Because how many of you know we know how the war ends? But in the battle, you get bloody. In the battle, you get wounded. In the battle, things happen. We act, and again, I've told you this before. We got this mentality in the church has been taught for too long that everything that happens in the world is God's will. That's ridiculous. That's such nonsense. It's not. There's lots of things that aren't God's will that happen every day. Because the only thing stronger than God's will is your will. Because I can say no. And I can hurt you. I can walk right off here right now. And I can kick Dick Stolten right in the shin. And if he falls asleep, you better believe I will. <laughs> right? how, many think, how many think I could do that? How many think I should? Dick, there were more people that said I should than would. You know, I can do that. Is that God's will? Of course it's not God's will. How many of you have children that broke your will? <laughs> Don't you put your hand up. My mother's over there. <laughs> She's talking about my sisters. <laughs> All right, listen to me. If this is an eternal throne. It never gets off it. It's not temporary. It's a throne of holiness. The, the Bible talks talk about how it's holy. What does that mean to be holy? Do you understand today? Here's what the beautiful news about the throne room of God and God on the throne is he's separate and distinct and above this world. He is set apart from this world. He is not governed by this world. He is not impacted by this world. He is holy. He is holy. Why do you think we sing holy, holy, holy? It is a holy throne. There is no other throne like it in the world. There is no other throne like it anywhere. It is a holy throne, separate and distinct. Let me tell you about this throne. So I got to go fast at the beginning so I can go slow at the end, amen? 
me tell you about this throne. It has a foundation to it. How many know the house is only as good as the foundation? Right, Steve? The house is only as good as the foundation. This throne has a foundation. And the foundation that it sits upon is a foundation of justice and righteousness. Here's what the scripture says. The scripture says this in Psalm 89. You have a strong arm. Your hand is mighty. You, your right, you can't see out there for the light sometimes. <laughs> your right hand is exalted. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Loving kindness and truth go before you. Psalm 97, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. How many know when the Lord reigns, the people rejoice? He says, let the, enemy, let the many islands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. That word foundation means it has a fixed point. It's fixed, okay? It's, it's an established place. It's a firm place. It's an abode. It's a foundation. It's a settled place. It's a habitation. It's a place. This, this throne, his throne is established. And it's established on a foundation of righteousness. Do you understand this morning that the, the psalmist talked about his power, but then he moved into his moral greatness. Do you understand this morning that this rightness is about being ethically pure? See, Yahweh, God, has the right to reign because of his mercy, because of his moral greatness, because that righteousness marks his role. The foundation of his throne, mercy and truth go hand in hand. This, this word righteous means that which is right, that which is normal, that which is fair in terms of weights and measures, right? It also means rightness in speech, rightness in justice, rightness ethically, all right? Justly. How many of you know this morning that God is morally perfect? God is ethically perfect. How many know today we live in a world where our leaders are not morally perfect? They are not ethically perfect, no matter what they say. Okay? And yet we have a God whose throne is established on his rightness, on his perfectness, on his moral excellency. And yet the word also comes and says it's founded upon justice. Justice. What does that mean? It means to be fair. It means equitable. It means to be equity. Okay? You see, in the seat of honor is founded upon perfect rightness and fairness. It is the seat of authority that brings with it moral excellence, ethical excellence. It's right. It's fair. It's proper. How many know he is good and he is good all the time? Do you understand? Wickedness never corrupts his throne. Evil never corrupts his throne. The foundation of his throne is in a fixed location. And that fixed location is righteousness and justice. In an age and in a world where we live with many injustices, there's racial injustice, there's social injustice, there are sexual injustices. There's all kinds of injustices in the world. There's legal injustice. Our, our, my family has faced injustice. And yet, and yet I can come back to a place where there's perfect righteousness and perfect justice. And that is the throne of God. This throne, you see, and, and it's a holy throne. 
and, 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 and its foundation is righteousness and justice. How many know it's a throne of judgment where the judge sits on the throne and from there he makes judgments? Aren't you glad he's a good judge? Aren't you glad he's a just judge? But let me also show you that it's a throne of grace. It's a throne of grace. Hebrews tells us what? He says, therefore, let us draw near with confidence. Where? To the throne of grace. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Do you know why it's a throne of grace? Because it was a throne of judgment. It cannot be a throne of grace unless it can be a throne of judgment. My grace to you means nothing if I don't have the power to judge you. Anybody ever get a speeding ticket? Some of you are lying through your teeth. Like, my gosh, it's just a speeding ticket. I didn't ask you killed anybody. <laughs> right? How many, how many would like to have been forgiven of that speeding ticket? Right? How many know, I, okay, let me, I forgive you. I give you grace. How many know that doesn't matter a bit? You know why? Because I don't have any power to judge you. I don't have any power to put discipline and punishment on. My grace to you means nothing because I have no power to judge you. But this throne, this throne, where the judgment of God can come against an unholy person, where the judgment of God can come against my wickedness and my vileness, where this judgment should and could come, I can draw close to because of Jesus Christ, because of what Jesus did on Calvary, because of his blood. You see, it's a throne of grace because of the blood of Jesus. It's a throne of grace because of the sacrifice of the Son. It's a throne of grace because it is a throne of righteousness. It's a throne of grace because it's a throne of justice and judgment and authority. It can only be the throne of grace because it was a throne of judgment. You see, I'm telling you a little bit about the throne itself. You see, but I gotta tell you something. The throne in and of itself is nothing. It's nothing. The throne in and of itself is nothing. It's the one on the throne that shapes the nature of the throne. The reason that it is a place of justice, it's a throne of justice because he's just. How many know it can be a throne of wickedness if the that sits on it is wicked? How many know the government will take on the character of its leaders. The office of the governor, the office of the president, will take on the character and the nature of that one who's in charge. How many know you can go to courtrooms and you can go to places where they say that's an evil court, that's an unjust court? You know why that court is unjust? Because there's an unjust judge. You see, your home how many know your home can be a place of love, but your home in and of itself is just brick and mortar or siding or something else? Your home is what you make it. Your home will become what you are. It's a home of love. It's a home of joy. It's, it's a home of peace. You see, it's the one on the throne that makes the throne what it is. You see, the attributes, the attributes of the one on the throne gives the throne its attributes. It's the throne of righteousness. Why? Because he is righteous. 
It's the throne of judgment. Why? Because he is the judge. It's the throne of grace because he is holy. Oops, missed one. <laughs> See if you're paying attention. I'm supposed to say grace. Just goes to show I'm not perfect. Why didn't you catch that, Troy? It's the throne of grace. Not because he gives grace, but because he is grace. You see, the attributes of the one on the throne gives the throne its attributes. The character of the one on the throne shapes the character of the throne. As I begin to ponder this, you see, I'm talking about the throne. But here's the question. The throne and, and, and who sits on it. But here's the question. How do we as believers and followers of Jesus, and how do we as kingdom people, how does it impact us now? You, you see, we got to understand something. We live most of our life as if the throne room is going to be then, when how many know the throne room is now? We live our Christian life as if it's a distant future, which it is. But how many know the throne room is a reality right now? I mean, the throne of God is a reality right now. He's on the throne right now. So how does that impact us? Well, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord in the year that King Uzziah died. He was high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And when Isaiah saw it, he jumped up and down and said, I'm so excited. This is awesome. I'm so privileged to be in the presence of God. no. What he said was, woe is me. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Woe is me, for I am ruined. Because I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Hmm. How many ever like... You know, how many of you ever get dressed and you put something on and you think, man, I, look, I, I, I think I look really good on this. Then you get look in the mirror. Ooh. Or, or you think you look really good and you look in the mirror, but how many know in the mirror you can't see the backside? <laughs> Sometimes we need to see the backside. <laughs> All right? Until somebody takes a picture of you and you go, oh, dear Jesus, what was I thinking? Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or am I just, it's just me? Like, Don't worry. She'll have 97 pictures today, and I'll go, oh, goodness gracious. Okay. All right, like we, but sometimes we need a proper perspective of ourselves. You see, and here's what happened in Isaiah. Isaiah saw the throne, and all of a sudden he saw himself. You see, a vision of the king on the throne shapes our vision, will, uh, uh, shapes, that shapes our vision will change our vision of ourselves. When I look at Jesus, and I'm feeling pretty good about myself, there are times when I look at him and see him on the throne and see him for who he is, that all of a sudden I'm going, oh, man, I'm a wretched, stinking sinner. Yeah, I know I'm still a child of God, by the grace of God. But, man, there's stuff in me I don't like. There's stuff about me I don't like, and I see it now in light of who he is. All right? Let me say something to the American church right now. Our political lips need a touch from the altar of the king. Our political lips need a touch from the altar. Because Isaiah said, my lips are unclean, my people are unclean, and then the seraphim took a coal and touched it and made them clean, and I'm going to say to you this morning, I know who I'm voting for, and I don't care who you're voting for, and I'm not going to hate you because you're voting for, and I'm not going to be mean to you because of who you're voting for, but I want to tell you this, the body of Christ in America needs their lips touched from the altar. Sorry. 
Sorry. That doesn't mean you have to like everything that's going on. It does mean you have to act like the king. Well, that was popular. Our lips have become angry lips, and we need a touch from the throne room of God. Our speech has become polluted, and it's only a touch from the altar that's going to change it. Can I get an amen? You still love me? I'm just saying. You see, because we are ambassadors of a king and kingdom, not of this world. We are ambassadors of the one who sits on the throne. We are ambassadors of this one. You see, but I want to tell you about this throne. I see, it's got a, it's a holy throne. It's an eternal throne. Its foundation is righteousness and justice. It's a throne of grace, throne of mercy. And it's shaped by the one who sits on it. But how many know there is an atmosphere around the throne? There is an atmosphere around the throne. Revelation chapter 4. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever. And we will cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, O Lord and our God to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and they were created. So I want to suggest to you this morning that this throne, I told you all about it, the one who sits on it, and whenever you get a vision of the throne room and you get a vision of the king on the throne, you got to see the atmosphere around that throne. And it's an atmosphere of glory. It's an atmosphere. Do you, do you, do you, have you read? I'm going to tell you, read the Bible. Read about the throne of God. Read about the throne. Read how majestic it is. Read how beautiful it is. Read how splendorous it is. Read about the throne room of God and the glory of God that surrounds it. But that's not the glory I'm talking about. You see, because when you give a vision of the king on the throne, your mouth turns into a vessel where you give glory to him. You give glory. All of a sudden, something happens in you. I've seen the king. Glory and honor are yours forever. Glory and honor are yours forever. It shapes my speech. It shapes my mouth. It shapes the atmosphere. It's an atmosphere of glory. Because when you see the king of glory, you can't help but cry glory. Cry glory. It's an atmosphere of honor. They fell down and they gave honor. Glory and honor are yours forever. You notice what else it says? They gave thanksgiving. It's an atmosphere of thanksgiving. When you're standing in the presence of the perfectly righteous judge whose throne is on a foundation of righteousness and justice and he's a holy God and you come before him in your sin and his blood of his son cleanses you. And now you don't get the death that you deserve. How many of you know it should give birth to a thanksgiving out of our hearts? It's an atmosphere of humility. 
where these 24 elders take off their crown and they bow to the throne. The American church needs to learn how to bow. We come into our services where we come to worship our king and we're half the time on our phones. We're half the time distracted by this and we're distracted by that when we ought to be saying to ourselves, this is the moment where I'm stepping into the throne room of God with my brothers and my sisters and the other saints of God and the other people of the kingdom and I'm going to shut everything else down because I'm in the presence of the king. I would not text if I was with President Trump. I would tell him even, stop tweeting. <laughs> Donald, get off your phone. Donnie, get off the phone, Donald. We're having a conversation here. Give me your attention. God is saying, give me your attention. But we would bow, humble ourselves in humility, taking our crowns off and laying them at his feet. It's an atmosphere. There's an atmosphere around the throne. See, because there's a vision of the king. That causes us to bow in his presence. It's a vision. It's an atmosphere of worship. When they begin to worship him, fall down before him, lift up their voice, they sing, worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb. Why are we allowing this world to steal our worship? I worship a God on an eternal throne that has been forever. I worship a God that has a throne that is holy, that is separate and distinct in this world. I worship a God who has a throne of righteousness and justice. I worship a God who sits on a throne of grace. You see, I think we need to get it in our hearts now in the year that President Trump was reelected. I saw the king. Oh, I kind of messed this up. There's another one here. Here we go. Oh, oh, back up. Whatever, one of these ones. In the year that Joe Biden was elected, I saw the king. No matter who wins the White House, the throne room don't change. The throne room doesn't change by the White House. In the year of COVID-19, I saw the king. You see, the throne becomes the filter by which I see everything else. You see, I would suggest this morning that not only do I want to stand behind the throne, but I want to see everything else behind the throne. That when I'm looking at an election, I'm looking at it through the throne of God. When I'm looking at COVID, I'm looking through the throne of God. When I'm looking at the injustices in my life, I'm looking through the throne of God. How many know the throne of God becomes a filter by which we can see world events? You fill in the blank. In the year, I saw the king. I saw the king. In the year that my wife left me, I saw the king. In the year my husband left me, I saw the king. In the year that my children left me, I saw the king. In the year that my health left me, I saw the king. In the year that my child died, I saw the king. In the year my business failed, I saw the king. In the year this happened, I saw the king. You fill in the blank this morning because he's still king. He's still on the throne. Fill in the blank. You see, because here's what I want you to hear me this morning. There's an atmosphere around that throne. 
And there's a culture in that throne room. But he is on the throne now, not just then. And the culture in the throne room should be the culture in the believer. The culture in the throne room should be the culture in the temple. This temple where the Holy Spirit resides. This temple. You see, now, now, inside of this temple is a culture of glory under my king. Is a culture of honor under my king. Is a culture of worship under my king. Out of this person. It's not just when I get in there, but no, the culture of the throne room has gotten in me. The Bible tells me his kingdom is in me. Can you get a vision of the king? And you say, well, uh, Pastor, I'm, I'm closing my eyes and looking for that vision. <laughs> it might not come that way. Get your Bible out. There's a vision right there. Get your Bible out. Read your Bible. It's right here. You want a vision of the king? Read the Bible. Get into chapter 4 of Revelation. Get into chapter 5. Read about the throne of God. Read about his king. Read about his kingdom. Listen to me. You don't need a vision in the middle of the night. You got the word of God that will paint you a picture that will cause you to shout. It'll cause you to sing. It'll cause you to worship. It'll cause you to give glory. He is our king and he is on the throne. And it becomes the filter by which I view everything else in my life. Are you looking through the throne? Or did you put everything else in front of the throne? And now your health is in front of the throne. You can't see him. And now you can't see him because of this happened or that happened. This event, that event. You can't see him. Get the stuff out of the way. Get that out of my way, Troy. And put the throne. Get behind the throne. Get behind the throne. Put your stuff behind the throne. And allow the atmosphere of the throne room to permeate you. The culture of the throne room. Where all of a sudden now, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. And Isaiah said, he, he heard, who am I going to send? And Isaiah said, I'll go. I'll go. Send me, I'll go. I'll be your ambassador. Send me, I'll go. I'm not so sure he'd been so keen before he seen him and had touched from the altar. Many want a redeemer so they can get to heaven, but they don't want a king who governs their life. Many want a redeemer. Save me, Jesus, so I can go to heaven. I don't want to burn in hell. No, no. He's our king. He's our king. And when you make him king of your life, you don't have to worry about hell. It is your king who is your redeemer. It is your king who is your deliverer. It is your king who is the one who rescues you. It is your king this morning. My goodness, we act as if our king's getting dethroned. He's not. And I'm getting behind the throne. You know why? And ain't nobody getting me there. the world shaped your countenance this morning? Has the world shaped your thoughts and your processes? Has it shaped your emotions? Or is the culture of the throne room 
the culture of your temple. Mm, mm. The atmosphere of the throne room, the atmosphere of your heart, the atmosphere of your mind, the atmosphere of your tongue, the atmosphere of your home. There is a throne. It is occupied. Come on. God and King. He's our God. He's our King. Come on, worship team. Church, hear me this morning. We're going to take a moment, and we're going to join in with what's going on in the throne room right now. How many know it's not going to happen just then? How many know it's happening right this moment? And you are joining with the choirs of heaven right this moment. Right now. Right now, you are joining. You are joining. Do you know the Bible tells me in Revelation, there is worship of humanity that causes angels to bow. There is worship of people unto the king that literally causes angels to bow. I want to make some angels bow. Anybody want to make some angels bow this morning? Huh? Father, there are those today who came behind the throne. And Father, behind the throne is where they find justice. Behind the throne is where we find righteousness. Behind the throne is where we find deliverance. Behind the throne this morning, we find healing this morning. Behind the throne this morning, we find hope, joy, peace, grace. Father, if we ask this morning that your scepter be extended to your people, a righteous scepter. And when you extend that scepter, it's extending your favor to your people. It's extending your power to your people. Father, may we see your scepter extended. It is not a figurative place, ladies and gentlemen. It is a literal place. And that place is fixed. And it will not change with the ever-changing culture in which we live. pastor just being emotional today to which I would say what's your point what's your point duh have you read the word of God you better believe I'm emotional but it is an emotion based upon the truth of God's word you better believe I'm emotional when I got a king who saved me from my sin when I got a king that delivered me
Father, I pray this morning that your throne and who you are would become the filter by which we see. And Father, may the culture and the atmosphere of the throne room become the atmosphere and the culture of this human temple in which you reside. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. We stand firm today because your throne is firm. And this week when the world tries to get us back down into that stuff, tries to draw us back into the fight, tries to draw us back into that quagmire, May we lift our eyes. May we lift our eyes to the throne room. On November 4th, you will be no less king. You will be no less king November 4th than you were on November 2nd. You are no less king in the good times or the bad times. You are no more king in the good times and no less king in the bad times. Mm. And today, we're going to stand behind the throne. Extend the scepter to your people this week. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. Keep your eyes up.